and welcome to this week's Dividend Cafe podcast. We come to you this week from New York City, where I've been uh, attending an investment conference and had a number of other meetings and, and, and so forth this week, have more business to attend to out here over the weekend, and then we'll be back in sunny Newport Beach all next week. Uh, pretty major snowstorm hit the Northeast here today, Thursday. By the time you're listening to this, it's likely Friday, and it looks like things are clearing up. Uh, the markets have certainly not been snowy by any stretch. A big rally here today, Thursday, and uh, another positive week, it appears, of course, depending on what we see in the final day of the week. We're going to cover some deep conversation topics this week, from interest rates to market correlations to trade deficits, and we want to do it all with a strong sense of practical application for you and, of course, your money. So let's uh, go ahead and get into it. How much I weigh depends on the scale I use. Few subjects generate more discussion in our world than that of stock market valuations. Most pedestrian analysis can at least relate to the price to earnings measurement, and most know that we're trading roughly 17 times forward earnings estimates versus something closer to about 16 times historically. Um, we highlight a lot of the valuation metrics that our friends at Strategist Research provide for us at this week's uh, DividendCafe.com. But what we will tell you on the podcast is that the broad market is modestly but not egregiously above historical median valuations by a lot of metrics. But it's actually below average on a price to book value measurement. It's quite a bit below average on a price to free cash flow metric. All in all, still, we think the basic conclusions are wise, which are, one, markets are a tad overvalued, broadly speaking. Two, they tend to become more than just a tad overvalued, though, before it becomes a problem. Three, other measurements do tell a more nuanced story. Four, and this is the theme we've been hitting on all year, selectivity is an important posture right now for both defense and offense. A bright light for economic advice. We focus so much on the cabinet appointments in any presidential administration, have particularly been so focused on the trade advisors that President Trump has surrounded himself with, that we miss some of the more obscure areas where policy advisors reside and have huge impact on economic ideology. Vice President Pence this week selected Mark Calabria as his chief economist, and we see this as a positive given how large of a role VP Pence has in influencing administration decisions. Calabria is a solid free market guy and a respected expert in banking and housing and mortgage finance. MLPs for me and for thee. The basic thesis I talk about over and over again, expanded use of natural gas liquids combined with new technology and oil and gas production has made the pipeline transportation story very attractive. And that thesis is alive and well. What we see happening in this industry around financial metrics and structure is quite remarkable. Lower leverage and more cash flow protections around the dividend are, not, are now highly valued. The issue that brought on a negative feedback loop for MLPs two years ago was fear that they would be cut off from capital needed to fund their growth. What we see now is a systemic migration towards financials that do not require heavy outside capital. We believe in the long-term secular story and believe in the improved quality of financials around the industry. Trade deficit, schmrade deficit. 
So the trade deficit in December was $44.3 billion, slightly smaller than the $45 billion expected. The current administration likes it when exports grow faster than imports. But the number investors should care about, and we think all economic actors, is the total volume of trade, total imports plus total exports. That number grew the most in 18 months and is the real indicator of overall economic health. The U.S. being an attractive place to invest capital inevitably means a higher trade deficit. Who could complain about that? Well, never mind. Correlation Theory 101. We've written a lot about unbelievably high correlations, how high correlations have been for a long time uh, until late 2016, and then they really broke apart at the end of the year. By correlations, we mean the relationship between various securities or investments, how in tandem they are with each other, whether up or down. The relative valuation between stocks has largely been locked in by the massive growth of the ETF index industry, whether up or down, because so much buying of these stocks has had to happen in equal proportion to each other, I should say buying and selling, it's kept relationships between these securities very tight, even when those relationships do not belong close together. This has distorted things to some degree, and frankly, that distortion may sustain itself, but ultimately, built-up inefficiencies become opportunities. That's what we see happening in the market right now. Deja vu all over again. It wouldn't be a few months before summertime without bulletins starting to come across my desk about a summertime impasse between Greece and their creditors. If this sounds like 2010, 2011, 2012, 2015, it's because, well, you know, it is. But yes, there is talk that the Greek government and their creditors are facing a disagreement about fiscal concessions, increasing the chances of a summer flare-up. We've seen this movie before. Interest rate realities and all that is not fit to print. We risk putting you to sleep if we dive too deeply into the complexities of how the world's financial system works. But we also commit malpractice if we do not at least try to keep you abreast of the most basic and profound realities driving financial markets. We talk a lot about the global economy's addiction to low interest rates and what higher rates may mean for us as investors and what sustained low rates mean for distorting investments and risk-reward trade-offs. These are important subjects, but we think it's important to understand that when one sees the global bond buying the central banks of Japan and Europe are doing, this money is working its way into the U.S. bond market and is helping to keep the U.S. bond rates down. There are two implications to this. One, at least for now, it helps us to understand why rates are not, and are not likely to anytime soon, run up dramatically. Two, it helps us to appreciate the risk embedded in the fact that global central banks still offer so much intervention in the realities of financial markets. How long can all this go? How long will it go? What will it look like along the way? Significant money gets lost when people attempt to bet against reality, but significant money can also be lost when investors fail to understand it. getting inflation off the milk carton. The reality is that slow, small, subtle inflation is the biggest threat to investors because it numbs them to its effects. It's politically allowable, and yet the effects over time are horrendous. But most investors spend their time looking for big, noticeable headline inflation, 
which frankly is hard to find in a world caught in a debt deflation spiral. With unemployment low, commodity prices having moved higher, wage growth picking up, not to mention a potential infrastructure spending bill coming, it's no surprise that inflation expectations have picked up. We would think this could also put upwards pressure on interest rates, once again leaving the Fed in a difficult position. I would plead with you, uh, podcast listeners, to go to Dividend Cafe this week, uh, the, the website, if for no other reason, look at the chart of the week, which shows the cumulative return from the Dividend Growers Index and the regular S&P 500, so you can get an idea of the power of numbers over a 25-year period between these two differing ways to be invested in the equity markets. There are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle, and the other is as if everything's a miracle. Albert Einstein. We continue to watch markets for opportunities to buy low-priced investments where prices are underneath intrinsic value and yet do this within the criteria we have for managing risk. It's a slow and careful process, and we feel no need to act recklessly or impulsively. Our biggest theme right now, weighing the perceived benefits of new tax policy, against the perceived damage of new trade policy. The political has truly overcome the monetary. We'll keep doing what we do, and with that, we ask you to keep doing what all we ask you to do is. Trust us, as we continue to behave in a trustworthy manner each and every day. Thank you for listening to Dividend Cafe.